Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. The message is here. Amen. We have all of our uh, messages on MetroPraise.org. You can go to the website to see all the past messages. We are going verse by verse through the book of Matthew. We are on now what is called the Beatitudes. And y'all would not believe this. I have listened to my two favorite preachers. One of them is Steve Hill in Heartland Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. He is preaching on the Beatitudes right now. And another one is um, the pastor's name, one of my favorites, just totally slipped my mind. But he's of Gateway Church, and he's uh, and also in Dallas, Texas. I don't know what's up with Dallas. I guess that's a lot of where T.D. Jakes is in Dallas. And he's also teaching on the Beatitudes. So I don't know what God is doing. I, maybe I can guess. I think he wants us to be blessed. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, God wants you blessed. I just thought that was interesting. I was listening to two pastors this week, and they're all talking about the same thing. Matthew chapter 5, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus sat down, and he began to teach his disciples. The part that we're on is called the Beatitudes. That comes from the root word uh, of, of blessed, which is Latin there. Beat is blessed in Latin. And so he is teaching us the teachings of blessings. And the Beatitudes are to change our attitudes. Oh, you all get that? <laughs> I try. Okay, maybe that wasn't that good. I thought that was okay. I was thinking about that. But the Beatitudes are to change our attitudes and how we are to have a kingdom attitude in, in, the, in the kingdom of God, how we're to live for Jesus. And the word blessed means happy. And that's what I've seen. Every single one of these guys preaching are all saying blessed means happy. That's what it is. And God wants us to have a happy life. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, God wants me happy. And say, God wants you happy. Now smile. There we go. Yes. The abundant life is talked about in John 10.10. This was the theme of Jesus. Now, Jesus' theme was die on the cross, raised from the dead, go back to heaven. But what purpose was that for? The purpose was for that we may have eternal life. Everyone say eternal life. The purpose of the cross is just not that bad people become good. It's not that today Juan and I used to be drug dealers. Now we're good people. Oh, thank the cross. No, the cross made dead people live. We now have a life. Amen. Christianity is just not about what I don't do. I don't smoke. I don't drink. That's not how I describe Christianity. We love Jesus. We have a relationship with the Lord. Christianity is a father-son, father-daughter relationship. That is the abundant life. Everybody say the abundant life. Look how he says it in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the what? Have it to the what? Have it to the what? Everybody say the full life. And another way of saying it's the abundant life. Everyone say the abundant life. The... um, Uh, The Amplified Version says that God wants you to have an abundant life that is full and keeps being filled and keeps being filled, overflowing, that this filling never stops, that the day you got saved for me was November 5th, 1995. That was the day God came into my heart and started filling me with blessings, happiness, his ways, his prosperity, his peace. And guess what? It's 12 years later and I should be still being filled and overflowing more and more and more. Are you all listening? There needs to be more of Jesus in our life. Have you seen all that there is of God yet? Have you reached the end of God's great goodness and his kindness and his mercy? Have you felt all of his presence? Have you seen all of his glory? Somebody shout out more. See, there's more of God in what Jesus is saying. I came 
so that you could start this life and that this whole life would be full. This life would be abundant. You know, think about it like that baby that's just born. You don't just have the baby and then say, okay, this is the end of your life now. Okay, let's prepare a funeral. No, if that baby died, that would be a tragedy. If that baby was born, then died. How many that, that would be a tragedy? But when you look at that baby, what do you see? Life, years to come, toddler and, 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 and infant. I mean, a toddler, uh, you know, help me, Jesus. You can tell I'm not a parent yet. Infant, toddler. What comes next, mothers? The threes, okay. Then elementary school, junior high, right? You see them getting married, but they're just a baby. When we were born again, that's the new life. But it doesn't stop there, y'all. And some of us, we, we die on the delivering table. Some people come to church, just accept Jesus in their heart, and they walk out and they go back to the world. That's like, that's like a stillborn. That's like you just dying right here and the devil's committing an abortion. Are you listening? The true Christian gets born again. Then he grows. And some of you right here, we're still, we're still changing your diapers. And every now and then you, you stink a little bit. But we love you. We see a little attitude. We see a little smoking. But that's okay. We're going to change your diapers. Amen. And then you get a little bit older, and then you touch everything, and then you think you know everything. We have to sled you down. That's okay, amen? But then you grow up, and you become mature, and that's what happens in Christianity. And God wants us to have a full life. And what does that full life look like? Your family's blessed. Your children's blessed. Your career's blessed. What's blessed? Happy. You're happy in your home. You're happy on your job. And God is satisfying you. You see, what the old timers used to sing, and I know you remember this song, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. You see, if you're putting your joy and your happiness in the job, then if your job is taken away, then you lose your happiness. But you need to have a joy beyond your job. You need to have a purpose. Are you listening? So jobs may change, but your purpose never changes. Are you all listening? You see, you may be uh, you may be here today as a dentist and and, and you're pursuing your dentist career. Maybe you work for a, a hospital and that hospital may lay you off. But that doesn't mean you can't be a dentist anymore. You've got to understand there's going to be another place for you. Are you getting this point? And so when we go through life's trials. When we go through life's ups and downs, sometimes we want to look at life as just a stepladder. Like we're just going to keep going from one level, one level. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes we think of life just going A to B to C. We think it's a straight line. But you know what? Sometimes that God makes our life like a connected dot thing. Like A's over here and B's down here and C's over here and E's way over D, whatever comes next. You know what I'm saying? And and it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And you're like, God, what are you doing? And then after the end, it's like... A butterfly. You know, you ever done connected dots? Anybody know what I'm talking about? But guess what? While I'm losing a job or things change, people in my life leave me as, as I, I come in and out of relationships, as I switch churches, as I, as I get new friendships, as I go to a college, as all this gets, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I have an abundant life because it comes from Christ, amen, and it's growing and it's filling and I'm being successful. Wherever you are, be successful. Wherever you are, give glory to God and be successful. Can you say amen? This is how we do it. This is the key to being blessed. Everyone say blessed. All right. Now when he saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You want to go to heaven? Be poor in spirit. There's the key. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you are sad in your heart, if you're broken in your heart, mourn to God and he will comfort you. 
There it is. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. If you want this earth, if you want God's eternal kingdom to come on this earth, and you want to reign with him, as the Bible says, as kings and priests in his kingdom, be meek. There is the key. You will be happy. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Every person here, the Bible says, was born unrighteous. You want to be righteous? Bible says, don't try to make yourself better. Just come to God hungry for it, and he'll feed you. Oh, come on, somebody say amen. I'm getting excited. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You want to be forgiven when you meet God on Judgment Day? Forgive. You want people on your job to be kind to you? Be kind to them. Even to your enemies. Even to those that hurt you. And you'll be happy. Oh, see, I get happy talking about that. You know why? Because so often we get angry at our enemies. And guess what happens? Life becomes unhappy. How many know you can't be angry at your enemy and happy at the same time? But if you want to be happy, it says, happy are the merciful. Are you listening? Happy are them. Why? Because they're shown mercy. So even on the hardest days when your enemies are just messing with you, be happy and forgive. And watch stress just go away. Amen? I think I just had to jump a little bit to get it off of me. Amen? Because i got to forgive people every week. Doesn't it seem like you're forgiving somebody every week? Amen? you just got to shake it off of you. I mean, literally, it's like this for me as a pastor. Today, I could tell you, the ones who have left this church and the ones that say things about me as a pastor, I could go home today and go, so-and-so saying this. I got this email. But you know what? I don't think about all the beautiful people that are here, all the things that we're doing. And see, that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to be unforgiving. And what happens when we're unforgiving? It's like you're cooking the pot of bitterness then. And then all of a sudden, it just wrecks your life. And then guess who eats that pot of bitterness every day, that nasty little pot? We do. Amen? That's why when you forgive, you get happy. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, get happy. That will always be one we will need to hear for the rest of our life. Be merciful. Verse number 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Last night on the street singing that song, open the eyes of my heart, for I want to see you. That young man could see God. Why? Because he started to humble himself. He started to see the righteousness in our lives, and it was reflected off of us. Oh, hello. Are you all listening? He could see God's glory reflecting off of us, and he could see God's presence because we were pure in heart. And you'll see God. Verse 9, what we're going to talk about today. Blessed are the, all right, say it again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Amen. That's what we're going to talk about. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to preach on that. I'm going to tell you what happened to all of the 11 disciples. You're going to learn how each one of the 11 disciples went to heaven, because the Bible says, be blessed, you're blessed. Be happy when you're persecuted. And you're going to learn that this church was built upon the blood of martyrs. So make sure you're here next week. I know it sounds a little gross, but it's going to be very good. Amen? Now, I want to talk about peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. Today's message is about making peace. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody right now that you got into an argument with on the way here, you might want to make peace with them right now, okay? Because it's going to start getting really personal, so you don't keep getting those nudges the whole time, okay? Any husband wives here? Okay. Peacemaker is someone who makes peace. God is saying, blessed are those people. Blessed, happy are the ones who when trouble is around them, instead of them going in the back corner going, oh, do you see what's going on with the boss and such and such employee? 
boy, you know, they're giving that boss an attitude. Instead of gossiping about the job, the things that are happening around them, the Bible says that person's going to be called a gossip. But the one who sees the problem and tries to come to the employee and says, hey, man, don't talk to the boss that way. Y'all can make this up. Let's work together. The Bible says they'll be a peacemaker and they'll be called the sons of God. I want to ask you a question right now. When trouble comes into your life, and it's around you, and you see people fighting, people in your family. We all have trouble. We're going to learn this today, that trouble is a part of life. Jesus did not promise a life without trouble, okay? So if you're thinking this message is going to teach you that you're never going to have trouble, I can't do that for you. Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Amen? But what do you do in trouble? What do you do when trouble's in your life? When people are angry with you, when you're angry with them, we're not always going to be happy with people. Anger is an emotion, and a lot of times people think that anger is always a bad emotion, and that is not true. How many people know when Jesus was in the temple with the whip, how many know he wasn't smiling like Barney? How many know that? How many know he wasn't like goofing around like, hey, guys, how many know that? He was like, ah, he was angry, okay, and it's okay. To be angry sometimes, but we're going to learn how to be angry and sin not. Everybody say a peacemaker is someone who makes peace. Okay. What does the Bible say we'll be called? Sons of God or daughters of God. Today's principle, today's lesson is going to be so profound that if you and I live it, this will be the mark where people look at us from the outside and say, oh, well, he's a Christian. He's a son of God. Oh, wow, James? James is a son of God. Jesus said, the world will know you are of me for your love for one another. I want you all to get that today. The principle that we're going to learn is going to be a defining mark where people are going to look at us and call us sons of God. Everybody say, peacemakers will be called sons of God. Now you just memorize the scripture. Let me ask you a question, gentlemen. How many of you would say this is your peacemaker? How many of you would say, this is the way I will, I will resolve that problem? <laughs> Dude, I bought my first shotgun in Chicago. i got to be honest. And let me tell you why. I saw a shootout at CVS parking lot one day, and it just freaked me out, man. In my, in, in, right when we were driving, remember that boopsie boop? We were driving, and dude, it was like the wild, wild west. We were on Milwaukee, and all of a sudden, I saw this dude jump out in the parking lot, and his car was pulling out, and the car almost hit us, because we were in the other lane, and all of a sudden, this guy's like, <laughs> like all the way down the street, unloading, and I said, man, I got to make sure I got back up, but that's not what we're going to talk about today, Okay. We're not talking about how to lock and load. That would be good for David, amen? David works in the military. David's getting a little embarrassed. Come on, brother. You are the man, dude. This guy's got some heavy firepower. Do not mess with him, okay? He's a drill sergeant. Serious, man. And he was showing me the real deal. Okay, this is not what we're talking about. I'm not going to train you today how to resolve conflict with force. The scripture that Jesus is giving us today Blessed are the peacemakers. It's teaching us how to resolve conflict in life without force. It can be sometimes called passive aggression or passive resolution, meaning we are passively seeking a result. We're not just passively sitting back, but we're passively moving forward. We're not going to hit and and, and spit and kick, but we are going to try to resolve the situation. And that's what Martin Luther King did. That's what Gandhi did, just different figures in life. And they got those examples from the Bible. And I want you to see 
two main relationship areas of our life where conflict will come. I broke them down in two areas. There may be more, but here's where I kind of broke them down. External relationships. These are things in life that are outside of your uh, family, outside of things that are really personal to you. These could be things like your job, things that uh, happen on the road, people that you meet in grocery stores. These are external relationships. And sometimes we can get in conflicts with external relationships. Anybody ever get in a conflict with somebody from the cell phone company over the phone or something or help person at the grocery store? Just anybody, anywhere. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, four of us. This message is for me, okay? Let me just tell you this, okay? Me and, and service, like, uh, like cell phone companies, gas companies, and phone, I do not do well. I do not know why, and I'm going to learn from this today, amen? So if anyone else is having trouble with that, you're going to learn. Now, internal relationships are relationships that are close to us, like people, for the most part, that we choose, though sometimes we don't choose our family. Well, you know, the, the ones around us, but like our wife, our children, the ones that we really choose, and sometimes we come in conflict with our kids. Sometimes our kids come in conflict with us, sometimes husband and wife. Etc. And so we're going to break these two things down, you know, about how to put our life in perspective to being a peacemaker when these things happen. So I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 19:11, and let's start off with the first key to resolving conflict in an external relationship. I think next week I, I'm going to do this as a two-parter. We'll talk about internal relationships, uh, you know, with your family husband and wife, because the way you resolve a problem with your wife obviously is going to be different than the way you resolve a problem with an angry guy in traffic, right? Okay, so it's going to be a little different. So next week, when you want to come and learn, uh, if you want to come learn about family, come next week. We're going to talk about husband and wives and children. So we're not going to be necessarily even talking about family outside of that. We're going to talk about family in your home to make it really simple. If you're in Proverbs 19:11, can you say I'm there? Here is the first principle. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to what? Overlook an offense. (laughs) Lord, help us. When we are in the outside world, let's take just one example, driving our car. Somebody cuts us off. What is rule number one here is telling us to do? Overlook it. Oh, Jesus, I love them. I pray for them, Lord. How many have seen that Allstate commercial where it has people like doing the barbecue and thing on the highway and it says we need not to look at people like they're in their way but like they're in our home? Did anybody see that? That commercial so convicted me. Dude, I was like, oh, man. Because it showed like the mother like pushing her, her child on a swing and I'm like, oh, Dito. But when, I, when I'm in a car and that mother's in her minivan and, and she's in my way, I'm like, get out the way. But if she would be at my house, I'd be like, oh, sister, how are you doing? Oh, Dito. And, and that was the whole point of that commercial. Treat people like they're in your home, not like they're on the streets in your way. So what should we do when people offend us? The very first thing we should do is say, man, I, I can overlook this. Let me see if I can just get past this. And I'm not talking about get past it and then meditate on it all day, day long. Oh, I can't believe they did that to me. I can't believe I can't, you know. No, because we talked about our thoughts last week, and that's not what we want to do. We have 50,000 thoughts up here. Let's not waste them on other people. Amen? Let's not waste it on traffic. But here's the principle. 
someone offends us, whether it's someone cutting us off at the job or at, at, on the road, on the highway, someone on the job saying something that we don't like. Maybe they just cut us the wrong way. They just say some words and they just kind of rub us the wrong way. The first thing we should try to do is just, okay, get ourselves together and be like, I can overlook that. Think about what life, how much, uh, just right there, how much more peaceful life would be. Right? Right there. Amen? Just if we could overlook everything. Does everything need this right here? Come on. Does everything, I mean, I know we can, I got some ladies, I can't do it as good as y'all, I'm trying. But, you know, does everything really need that? I mean, come on. I mean, sometimes I catch myself, you know, because really, man, I deal with Dell computers. I deal with all these different companies on the phone all the time, it seems like. And there's always something wrong with my bill. How many of you always get your bill wrong, you know? And really, I have no problem paying my bill. And, I'm, and I just, I try to love them. And then they'll say something that I know is just wrong. They'll, they'll say like, oh, your monthly plan is $259 a month. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's only $99 a month. But you know what? When I feel myself doing that, because I'm going to get preached to right here, you know what I should just do is just say, okay, the person on the other end of the phone is not my enemy. They are not the devil. And if they were sitting in my church and I yelled at them like I'm yelling at them right now, they would never come again. And my whole church would be empty. So I need to treat her with respect. There was this one pastor. He was on his way to catch a flight. And he was a pastor of a great big church, so he had a lot of members, a lot of people he didn't really know personally. And he was catching his flight, and, and he was uh, getting bumped back because his flight was delayed. And it really wasn't the airline's fault. And he just started getting angry with the person. And, and then all of a sudden, another person had to come in and assist. And you know what's bad when the other person's coming in, you know, to assist. And he was going off. And all of a sudden, the woman says, hold on, aren't you my pastor? And he said, dude, just at that moment, conviction fell on him like a brick, man. He's like, oh, oh yeah, I am. Oh, this ain't nothing. Oh, this, yeah, whatever. Five-hour delay, that's okay. Yeah, I'll take whatever you got. You see, we need to think like that. We need to think, can I overlook this for the benefit of others? Now watch. Why are we doing this? Are we doing it just because Pastor Joe says so, or we were taught this in school as good manners and etiquette? No. Jesus commanded us to. He said, when you are a peacemaker, people call you sons of God. Whenever I stay calm in those times of conflict, I have people say to me, man, you must really be a Christian, you know, because I can see God in you. There was a drunk man. I talked about him a couple weeks ago. He met us on the streets out there, and he did not like us preaching, and he was like, Calling me the gospel and spitting all up in my face, uh, you know, just this drunk guy. And I just sat there and I kept telling him, dude, we love you. We have not come to hurt you. You know, we're just going to just let you go. Roll on now. And we're just being kind. You know what? Some of the young people came to me up after service and said, dude, you so could have punched him. You pop. Oh, pastor, oh, you could have took him out. But you did it. And we're really proud of you, pastor. We're, we're glad you're our pastor. You see, that example showed my kids. Pastor didn't have to fight. We're called sons of God. Daughters of God, when we're not the first one to jump on somebody, the Bible says try to overlook it. So everyone say, overlook an offense. Amen. Now go with me to number two, James chapter 1, 19 through 20. James chapter 1, 19 through 20. Talking about being a peacemaker. Overlooking offenses. Now what do we do 
if something kind of serious and we, and we got to deal with it. Not all offenses in life can we overlook. Um, if somebody on your job, ladies, makes a crude sexual remark and that's sexual harassment, you cannot overlook that. You have to do something about that. And all the ladies said, amen. Okay. Guys at school, if, if somebody threatens you, young people, and they're in a gang, and they say, dude, whose side are you on? And you're like, man, I'm on the Lord's side, JCZ for life, big baby. And they're like, nah, man, we rolling Latin King up in here. And they're like threatening you. You, you, you just can't overlook that. You just can't say, oh, I'm just going to walk home my same way. You got to go tell a teacher I'm being threatened. Okay? And let's say you're on your job and uh, your coworker says, I'm going to do this project for you Tuesday at 12 noon. It's done. And you got your client coming in at 1 that day. And here you're waiting at 12 noon. And your partner doesn't drop that off. And you're about ready to have to cancel your appointment. And now you're kind of steaming a little bit. You, don't, you should not overlook that. You've got to then sit down and talk to your partner. So the first thing is the little things we need to learn to overlook. Y'all getting that? Just things that are not worth it. That's the first step in being a peacemaker. Now, the second thing is when there are issues, when there are offenses that need to be dealt with, and here's the beginning of a confrontation. There is going to be now a discussion between you and the person that offended you. This is going to go down now, okay? Here's how it should go down. Look at James chapter 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. How many can just say, help me, Jesus, right now? (laughs) Oh, you know, that is not the way you are thinking. Let's take the example. Your partner did not bring the project at 12 noon. Dude, you are not listening to Jack Diddley at that moment, right? You are calling, where is that project? I told you it needed to be done. I don't want to hear that your family is sick, your dog died. I needed it here, right? That's the way we think in the world. But what does God say we need to do? Hey, Bob, yeah, it's 12, and you were supposed to be here. What happened, Bob? See, we're supposed to stop and listen. And Bob says, whatever excuse he says, it, it, it may be an apology, and it may make it better. But even if it doesn't, we're still supposed to listen. And that is hard for me. <laughs> This is probably going to be the one the most. You know, like, if you ever wonder, like, how does pastor read the Bible and, pre- and preach to us and still grow as a Christian? You're going to see this today. Like, the whole sermon, guys. Okay. And this is what happens, by the way, a little side note. This is what happens when you preach exegetically, which means verse by verse to the Bible. See, if I just hopped around the Bible and just picked little passages I wanted, I would never have to preach on this. And I could just preach on soul winning, evangelism, casting out devils, and you'd be like, oh, glory, adios, pastor. There is such a holy man of God. He is so powerful. But now it's like up here and I'm just preaching and the Lord's like, don't get too high and mighty here, son. You better start telling them what you do because you got to be honest with them. I'm going to tell you right here. You know what? We got to listen. And when you're listening to Bob and why he didn't do that report, don't get angry. At that moment, don't let anger build up. We can still control the anger. We're going to talk about things that get us angry and things that we can, we, we, we can get angry but not act in anger, rather. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But right here, there are, there are these things that we let us, 
they, they get us angry, but we shouldn't let them. And see, when Bob messed up that report, and now we're, we're getting backed up and we canceled that report, that was wrong. And let's say he had a good reason. By you staying calm, you can say, okay, I understand. It took a little bit longer. I had to cancel. Okay, let's reschedule. And let's say that's a good thing. But let's say, like, still, Bob, you know, he was lazy. He didn't do it right. Listen, the Bible says you getting angry at him, you saying, you idiot, I could have a monkey do it better than you, and you're just a retard, you know, you should be fired. The Bible says the anger of man does not bring the righteous life of God. What's instantly going to happen with your partner? What's he going to say? That guy's a jerk. That guy's a jerk. But what happens now, watch, when he does all of that, and let's say his excuse is wrong, and you just say, okay. I don't want that to happen again. You know, you're not being a pushover. I don't want that to happen again. This is what we need to do, and I'll see you at 2 o'clock then. And you hang up the phone. You know what the Bible says? Instead of him calling you a son of a boop, he's going to call you a son of God. Oh, y'all didn't get that. I guess that was just over your head. Instead of him calling you a bad name, how many people know they cuss about us behind our back? Y'all know people talk about us. Come on. Instead of him talking about you behind your back, he's going to say, that guy's a son of God. He's going to feel relieved because in that conflict, what were you? A peacemaker. You were not a war maker. You were not bringing the drama, bringing down the pain. You were a peacemaker. And what God is looking for is peacemakers. Now, we're not on, in Iraq, in Baghdad, being trained by David to go out there and wield around some AK-47s, okay? We today are living out normal life. There is no reason for us to be calling down the hellfire and judgment of God today, amen? We do not need the sawed-off shotgun and all of this. We make life way too difficult on ourselves, and what they say is stress is raising the blood pressure of Americans more than ever before, and that is one of the reasons why heart disease, along with our diet, is killing so many Americans. We need to all calm down. Everybody say, take a chill pill. Amen. Let's go to the next one here. So we're going to overlook it, then if we're going to deal with it, we're going to stay calm. Now go to Romans 13.1. Romans 13, verse 1, please. Okay, so let's take another example. And I'm going to be in here. There's only two more points. We're going to be good. I think I can do this by 12, Lord willing. There are no more stories. Just run through it. Okay. Here's the example. You are um, buying a house, and your realtor is not doing their job. And now the realtor is costing you time and money. Okay, we won't get into details. We're just talking about, I'm just picking an external problem. At first, you try to overlook her faults. So say it's a woman. I'm just using an example. You try to overlook her faults. She doesn't really call you back on time. She doesn't always have her paperwork together. But you're still working with her, okay? Then eventually, now between you and the buyer, there's a miscommunication. Now there's different numbers. And this is a big deal. And now you're offended. You, you, you know, She's telling you the wrong numbers. You're going to pay more for this house than you're willing to pay. And you've gone to her and you've said, hey, let's try to settle this. And, you, and you've listened to her, okay? The first step is, is to go to them calmly and try to work it out. And let's say that the problem is not resolved. The Bible says, now go to authority. How many know to ask for the manager? How many know how to do that? Does anybody know how to ask for the manager? I feel sorry for managers. Are there any managers in here? <laughs> 
You work at GameStop. How many times do you get called in a day like the manager about? Five times? How many? Around that? Dude, I could just imagine at GameStop too, man. People buying video games, they don't like it. Let me talk to the manager. We all know how to do that, right? Well, that's actually a biblical way. If at first we couldn't resolve it the right way, because this is what God says in Romans 13.1. He says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority. Everybody say no authority, except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by who? Everybody say God. Amen. So who established the authorities? God did. So let's say with that realtor, instead of now just saying all these harsh things about her and get into a big fight, you know what we should do? We should say to her, listen, we're having some miscommunications. I need to talk to your manager, and we need to resolve this now. See, the peacemaker wants peace. The peacemaker doesn't want to get the realtor fired because let's just back up and just think this. You know the golden rule that that says do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Imagine if you were that realtor, right? Imagine if that realtor was your mom. And let's say she made an honest mistake. How would you want her to be treated? And that's the way we should look at life. Are you all getting this? And you see the peacemaker looks at how others are feeling, looks at how others are going to go through this, and wants to make peace for both sides. And that's where authority gets involved. Now let's move on to the next one, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. And let's say now you go to the manager and the manager does not help you. The problem is not resolved. How many know now it's time to find a new realtor? Amen? It's time to... Are y'all looking at me? Y'all wouldn't do that? Oh, come on. Now, how many know it's time to find a new realtor? Somebody say amen. The example of the realtor is showing us you went to her personally. You stayed calm. You tried to overlook it. Then it got a little bit worse. Then you got the authority involved. You talked to her manager. But the situation is not resolving. The Bible says the peacemaker can actually walk away in love. Do you know that the best gift you can give somebody is sometimes the gift of goodbye? Oh, hello. I got to tell you that. Maybe you all didn't know that today. Do you know that the best gift that you can give somebody is the, best, uh, the gift of goodbye? Sometimes you need to say goodbye. I remember talking to my dad. You know, he works in the financial industry, and uh, he's very personable with people, and he's there to help them. And a lot of similarities between him and I as a pastor. And I called him up, and I I told him about a situation of a member who wanted to tell me what to do and all these things. And I said, Dad, what do you do in those situations? And he says, oh, Joe, I get a ton of those. They read some financial book. They want to tell me how to invest their finances. Then I try to help them. They get angry with me. And you know what he says? He goes to them and says, I think the best thing for us is for you to find another advisor because I just am not going to be good at that for you. How many know that's a good thing to say? It's the gift of goodbye. And our pastor, because we both share the same spiritual father, Brother Anthony taught me to say it to members like this. So if you ever hear this, you know it's a bad day. I invite you to find another church to pastor you. <laughs> so if you ever hear that little political statement, bad day. Amen. Hopefully nobody will ever hear that. But that's the way my pastor, I love the word invite there. I invite you to find another church to pastor you. But look at what 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says. It says this. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but everybody always tries to be kind to everyone else. In another part of the Bible, it says in Titus, Chapter 3. Matter of fact, just turn there quickly. Turn there quickly with me. Someone grab me a Bible, please. Titus chapter 3. It says, warn a person once, a second time, have nothing to do with him. NIV, please. Let me grab an NIV. Who has an NIV? Brother, can I get your NIV? Is that NIV? 
You are good. Thank you. I got Bibles galore now. Jude, I asked for Titus. Bible college, brother. What do we learn? What do we learn? <laughs> I love do I know where Titus is? Okay. After Timothy. Here it is. This is what happens when I don't have the screen to help me. Okay. Titus chapter 3. This is the one I would like to have for you as well. Look at uh, Titus 3 verse 9. It says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn divisive people once, then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Can you say amen? So what do we do? We walk away in love. We don't pay them back evil for the evil they've done to us. Do you know that sometimes it's better just to lose a few bucks than to go to court with people. We are such a sue-happy nation right now. I'm not talking about if you were really hurt and you were really wrong going to court. I'm just talking about people suing over everything. We had a situation with our landlord. It's worked out now. But one of my friends that's in the same building is not working it out. He has withheld three months' rent from the, tent, uh, from the landlord. The landlord told me, I am taking him to court. He is going to pay for all of his court costs. Now, I don't know who's going to win, okay? I don't know who's going to win. But the bottom line is this. My friend has to take off. Off work, has to be stressed out, has to be in front of the court, all for what, a few months' rent. You know what I think about? I'm just like, brother, just pay the rent and just move on. $3,000, a few months' rent, it's not worth my stress. Are you listening? I can't believe when I watch Judge Judy, people will be suing each other for $150. I'm like, did y'all just want to get on TV or what? I mean, suing each other for $200. I'm like, man, just keep the money. It is not worth me coming up here looking foolish, arguing with you. How many people can say, just chill out, amen? We just got to chill out. And the Bible says, just let them go. Now, sometimes you do got to take it a step further. And, 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 you know, if they break the law, and those of you who own businesses and are landlords, yeah, you got to go to court. I'm not just saying let people run over on you. I'm just talking about the normal stuff we deal with in life. Sometimes it's just easier to be wronged, to be wronged, and to leave it alone. It will be easier on your life. What would you rather have? And you can, I'm asking myself this question. What would I rather have, that $50 credited to my Verizon account or three hours on the phone of me losing my salvation and the woman cussing me out at the end of the conversation? You see, if I just can get over that $50 and just, okay, well, all right, let's move on. She'll say, what well, guy was a nice guy. He helped my day go by good. I'll feel good about myself. I won't carry that stress into the rest of my day. Amen. Let's stand to our feet together. Rachel, would you come, please? We've had a wonderful service today, have we not? Amen. Isn't God in this place? Look at what it says in Luke 17, 4. Always forgive. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. There's also a word that's called forbearance. Forgiving when people haven't even asked for forgiveness. How many of you know seven times on a day, in a day, on the highway, you're going to get cut off and something will make you angry? <laughs> My wife is with me. One person's being honest about driving. But you know what? When we are driving on the highway, if we're at peace, we'll be cool the whole ride. Why is it once I get upset, I'm upset the whole trip? Why can't I just get over it? You ever notice that sometimes? One person will make 
your day miserable at the beginning of your day. Something will offend you at your job, maybe a coworker, And now all of a sudden, your whole day is ruined. Guys, let's not let that happen anymore. You know that time that you were done wrong and you went out and did them wrong? Did you ever feel better? Yeah, revenge feels sweet for a minute, but after that, did you really feel better? No. Did you sleep better that night? You see, Jesus is teaching us a principle, and I want everyone to get this. It's the principle of FEMO. Everybody say FEMO. It's the principle of forgive them and move on. In external relationships, you got to think about people like you're on a bus. Some people are going to get on the bus, and some people are going to get off the bus. In your life, You may have a boss get on your bus because your bus is that life. You may have a boss that gets on your bus and he's just yelling at you the whole time. Just forgive him and move on. You know why? Because one day your boss is going to get off that bus. One day you're going to get another job. You're going to get transferred. Just hold on. That bus driver, he's going to just keep driving. And if somebody gets off that bus, he doesn't sit there and throw a pity patty party. He might get happy sometimes because maybe they were causing a little trouble. But he just keeps driving. You've got to look at your life like a bus. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And if that bus driver stops and says, I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you, I'm not driving my bus anymore. The bus would stop. You and I can't let people stop our lives from moving forward. Oh, see, here's the principle. You all getting something now? Here's where it connects. You gotta just forgive people. Yeah, I may share the road with somebody, and they get in my life for a little bit, and they may offend me, but you know what? They're gonna get off. I'm gonna get off that exit, I won't be going home. I shared an apartment complex with a woman that was elderly, and she was kind of crippled, and she needed our help a lot, but she sure loved to smoke, man. And she loved to make our whole uh, out part outside of our building smell like smoke. So when you walk in up the stairs, everything smells like smoke. You know what? <sighs> Forgive her. Now I've moved on. I got another apartment. And now I got these earthy people that love to play the piano like at real early hours of the morning. Forgive them. Because one day my bus is moving to a house. Amen. What's going on in your life? Who's on that bus ride with you right now? Who's on that bus ride? We've all rode buses here. You all know what it's like. You know there's all types of people. There's people who smell on the bus. There's people who are loud with their cell phone on the bus. But guess what? If you stay on the bus long enough, eventually what happens? Either they get off or you get off. You move on. Too many people in life have let other people stop them on their journey. There are people today that are broke and they're in poverty because they let their boss get them out of their career. And now they are suffering for it. Don't let a a boss take you out of your career. Stick with it. Be a peacemaker and God will bless you. Hello, come on. Somebody needs to say amen. There's teenagers who have dropped out of school because of their friends. And there's kids that don't go to school anymore because of all the junk that was in their school. And there is a lot of junk in school, but they are suffering, guys, when they could have been a peacemaker and moving forward. Don't let anybody get your bus to stop. Just forgive them and move on. And when they're next to you, 
and they got their iPod blaring and they smell or they're being loud, just raise up your hands and say, Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to be called a son of God. Because you know what? When we touch people and we impact with people, we're going to leave an impression on them. What are they going to think about you? Every worker here that has customers that you deal with the service industry, you're always around customers. What are they going to think about you when you leave? When you, when you walk out that door, they're going to talk about you to their family. They're going to talk about David. After David leaves and he walks out of that uh, Rex, you know, Italian deli, he's made flyers for them. They're going to talk about you. They're going to say, oh, that's David. He is a, and they're going to fill in the blank. And I know they're going to say, David's an awesome man. That's a great guy. Yeah, we just had some problems here. Maybe he got the flyer wrong. I mean, you know, things like that happen. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's going to work on it. He's, he's great. He'll be back here in five, about ten minutes. He's a man of his word. He's a peacemaker. It doesn't mean that we're going to have perfect life. It doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. We're just going to be peacemakers. I hope today you've seen my transparency in this. And I hope, I want to say this for everyone before we pray and dismiss, that as a pastor, you know that I'm a peacemaker. If you've ever been offended by me, you can come to me. We can work situations out. If you've ever been offended by our leaders, we want to be a a peaceful church here. We don't want you to have to gossip. There's never a reason for you to have to tell your problem to somebody else. You can go to that person. You can come to us. We're here to listen to you. We're here to pray for you. Amen. Let's pray now. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today. Oh, God, it may not have been a shouting off the rafters message this morning, but God, oh, what a convicting one it was. What a personal challenging message it was to me, Lord. I thank you for your words today that speak life to our souls, oh God. You said in your word such a simple sentence. We've talked about an hour about it, and yet we still haven't even comprehended only uh, not even a half of it. God, you said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let that, God, let that truth go deep in our souls today. Let it resound from our words to our actions to every person we touch in life. Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are the bosses who make peace with their angry employees. Blessed are the employees who make peace with their bosses. Blessed are the students who obey and make peace with their teachers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh God, let people say about us, We're not easily offended. Let them say about us, we're not easily angered. Let them say about us, we are chill and easygoing, quick to forgive, quick to overlook and move on. And God, now I pray for the bus called life for each one here. I pray, God, that their life keeps moving forward. If you came here today and something's in your heart, towards somebody else, and it's kind of been like a flat tire. It's put on the brakes on your bus, your life. Someone's messed you up a little bit, and it's kind of affected you, and you're not doing what you're supposed to right now because of it. Would you just raise your hands right now and say, Lord, fix my life. Just fix my life, oh, Lord. Get me moving again. And how are you going to do that? Just say, Lord, forgive them and forgive me for holding it against them. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why did Jesus forgive all of us even before we asked him for forgiveness? Because he had to keep moving forward. He wasn't going to let bitterness come in his heart. 
Come on, you may be angry at somebody. It may be personal. Tomorrow, uh, next week, we're going to talk about family and husband and wife. It may be that personal to you. It's okay. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I forgive them. I want to move on. Help me move forward. Help me move forward, Jesus. Oh, God, you're such a good God. Now, let's just pray this together. Say this with me. Jesus, today I ask you to make me a peacemaker. Remind me, Lord, because you're so good at that. Remind me, Jesus, next time when I'm in a conflict to be a peacemaker. And Lord, I rejoice in trouble, not for trouble's sake, but because it will be an opportunity for me to be called your son or daughter. Oh, yes, Lord, remind us. Make me a good pastor, Lord. Make our leaders good leaders. Make husbands good husbands, good mothers, good parents. Remind us, God, when our tempers are flaring, when things are going wrong, when the trouble has come, God, that this is an opportunity to be called your son or daughter. In Jesus' name, would you hold the person's hand next to you? We're going to pray and dismiss. If you came here today and you'd like to know more about the church or more about Jesus, come see us at the end of the service. We welcome you here. All the visitors, thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Rachel, would you pray for us right now that we would walk out of your peacemakers and that Metro Praise would be known as sons and daughters of God. Father God, we worship you, God. We praise you, Lord, for being so good, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you give us peace, Lord Jesus, with you, God, through your Son. We thank you, mighty God, that we have a relationship with you, Jesus. And Father, now I pray, God, as this word has gone forth, that we should be the peacemakers as well, God. That, Lord, it would, Father, dig deep in our hearts, God, that we would search our hearts, God, before you, Lord. That we would, God, be humbled enough, Lord Jesus, that we would be selfish enough, God, to give, God, and offer peace to those, mighty God, around us in our lives, God, our families, our friends, Lord. Those, God, that we meet, mighty God, on a daily basis, Lord God, use us, Lord Jesus, God, that we may be called your children, Lord, that we may have an awesome testimony, God, to those around us, Lord God, and that people would come to know you, Lord. So, Father, I pray, God, use us this week, Lord Jesus, be with us, God, protect us, mighty God, and help us to be those examples, God, of a peacemaker. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's bless the Lord today. Amen. Hallelujah. Do me a favor, slap your neighbor high five and say peace on your way out. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Be a peacemaker this week. Hang out at the cafe. We love you. Have a great week.